The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed by the host and guests on this podcast are their own and do not represent the views, thoughts, and opinions of UCLA Athletics, UCLA Gymnastics, or the Bruins Gymnastics alumni community. The content of this podcast is strictly for informational purposes only and should not be considered professional advice. It really taught me that life is more than just your talent. And, you know, I really solely based my image on my talent because that's what it always was when I was younger. But I realized that personality and your grit and your perseverance really has a lot to do with um, how people perceive you. And it was just amazing that they wanted to still bring me on the team. Welcome to the Bruin Gymnastics edition of the Resilience to Brilliance podcast, where you'll be inspired by riveting behind-the-scenes stories of UCLA gymnastics legends. I'm your host, Kim Hamilton-Anthony. Here we go. What happens when perseverance meets adversity? You develop resilience. Peng Peng Lee has had plenty of resilience training as she's worked to overcome challenges that came very close to derailing her gymnastics career. But with the help of supportive parents and coaches who saw greatness in her, even when she was sidelined, she was able to achieve what few gymnasts have ever done. She competed on the Canadian national team. She was a three-time medalist at the Pacific Rim Championships and the honorary team captain at the 2012 Olympics. At UCLA, she was a nine-time All-American, the 2018 national beam champion, and she finished her career having scored 10 perfect tens. I sat down with Pang to discuss her gymnastics journey and how she pressed through multiple injuries and finished her collegiate career with a storybook ending. Ping Ping, welcome. Hello, thank you for having me. Oh my goodness, thank you so much for being here. I appreciate it. How have you been? It's been a lot this year, but at the same time, I'm learning, I'm growing, and I'm having a lot of fun. But uh, it's, you know, adult life is lifing is kind of the quote I've been saying recently. So I'm kind of just yes. flowing. I'm going with the flow. <laughs> Just flow, girl, just flow. Yep. <laughs> now, you are living a pretty amazing life right now, and I do yes. want to get to that a little later, but there's something, this little thing you used to do called gymnastics <laughs> that was a big a part thing. of your world. <laughs> just a little, just, just a little tiny thing. And, um, and I, I just want to start off by asking, how did you get started in the sport? Yeah, so, uh, man, this is a fun conversation just to talk about going back to the past, but uh, I got started because like all young gymnasts, I feel like I was super, super hyper. And my mom was <laughs> like, okay, we need to put her in something because she keeps bouncing mm -hmm. off the walls. So she put me into gymnastics. I think I was four years old when I started. And then I got asked to go into a competitive, competitive program when okay. I was five. So yes. Nice. I was I was like that, too. My family tells me that I was more upside down than I was right side up. So I get that. It actually didn't work because when I would come home from gymnastics, my mom, like I was extra, extra hyper. So she thought it was going to, you know, tire me out. But I would come so excited and I was doing even more flips on the couch what? and the walls. But I actually quit gymnastics when I was seven because I hated it, <laughs> which really? a lot of people don't know. Um, I absolutely hated gymnastics. I didn't like the conditioning. I got asked okay. to do the competitive program and I would cry on the way to practice, but no I way. ended up switching cities 
And my parents love putting us in summer activities and just camps. And there was a camp Mm -hmm. really close to our house and a gym club. So um, she asked if I wanted to try gymnastics again, just because it was close by. And I was like, only if it's for fun. So I started back up again when I was eight. (laughs) Interesting. Yeah. That's, That's something I didn't know about you. So what happened between, you know, you went to a different city. What was different that made you stick with it? My parents love putting us in activities. So during that hiatus of gymnastics, I did like soccer, tennis, golf. I did a cooking camp, a pottery camp. I did a theater camp wow. and acting classes, singing lessons, piano lessons. Like they just loved putting us into stuff, karate class. Nice. And when I came back to do gymnastics, I think I did like doing gymnastics, but I hated the conditioning part. So which is mm-hmm. why um, I really liked it when I was younger. But then when it was the competitive program, they, all they want to do is condition us. And I was like, I don't want to like hold a plank at five. I don't want to be someone pushing me into a split. And I think it was painful. Oh, so I remember I ended those up, days. I know. Oh yeah. And I just remember telling my mom, like only if it's for fun. Cause I knew, I think mm-hmm. before it was a little more serious and right. um, you could tell it was more serious. So that's when we started learning routines and I was learning a lot more um, skills and I got a floor routine. It was so much fun. And before, Aww. you know, five years old, you're kind of in Canada. I don't even think you're competing. So you're just getting pushed down into a split. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, which is torturous for it at any age. Anyone, <laughs> I, any I age. That. At any age. So your career progresses. And like many of us, you are no stranger to injuries. And I'm sure, did you progress very quickly in the competitive ranks? I did. So I actually was not very good when I was eight years old. I was um, I was at a recreational gym club. So I was the one only person who could do a backflip on the beam. And then I remember what? from age eight to 10, my technique wasn't the greatest, but again, I was having a lot of fun, but the scheduling was a little brutal. It was kind of like school. And then I would miss dinner and then I'd go to practice and, you know, a lot of gymnasts end at like eight or 9 PM and you're still homework and all that stuff. And so Mm -hmm. we found a gym club that was actually, the scheduling was perfect. It was seven to 6 PM. So my parents could drop me off before work, pick me up and I'd be home for dinner. Weekends were off. It was like the best um, schedule you could ask for. And it was very competitive. So I um, would, you know, it was kind of like eighth, maybe on the podium (laughs) during Mm -hmm. that time. And then (laughs) when I switched gym clubs into this elite program, I progressed Mm -hmm. pretty fast. And I was, um, I had great coaches there and they were absolutely amazing. And they really took me in and developed me as a gymnast. So um, it it was amazing, that gym club. Mm. Now, as I was about to say before, like most gymnasts, you were no stranger to injury. And when you were, I think your sophomore year in high school, you Mm -hmm. had a very serious back injury. What happened? Yeah. So I, nothing particularly happened, but I had, uh, it was diagnosed spondylolisthesis, spondylolysis. And so I think what kind of what I remember is is I was going through, so it's when your spine is slipping (laughs) is from what I remember. And Mm -hmm. I just, it's the, I think it was L5 and I don't even know, but my spine okay. was slipping and essentially it started to hit a nerve. And so when, you know, we spent months trying to figure this thing out, I was in physio, I was doing a bunch of things and I would come home and I would sneeze and just start crying because I was in so much oh. pain. Like I couldn't go to the bathroom. I, I was 14 or 15. I couldn't pick things off the floor. And I remember going to the doctor and he pretty much told me like, you know, if, this 
continues. If you continue to do gymnastics, and I saw a back mm-hmm. specialist in Ohio, if you continue to do gymnastics, you could potentially become paralyzed waist down. That oh freaked me out. I unfortunately had a teammate who did become paralyzed um, at our gym. And so it really scared me at 15. And so mm. I then, you know, he's like, you need to stop all physical physical activity now. So it was a lot um, to take in. And, you know, gymnastics was my whole life. And a lot had happened prior. And the thing was, is that I, I was scared. <laughs> so I ended up quitting gymnastics, told the coaches we were out of the gym. Um, I was only allowed to do bird dogs, planks, and I had to have a back pillow. I had to, he taught me how to sit in bed a certain way. He taught me how to get out, out mm-hmm. of bed. It, it pretty much, it was very life-changing. Like I went to high school, I wasn't allowed to carry backpacks. So I had a rolly bag in high school. It's very confident or, um, you know, boost your confidence very cool. going into high school yeah. while you're going through puberty. But yes, um, I'm pretty yes. sure it was because I was going through puberty and I ended up growing like five inches during that hiatus. So I was very small um, when that happened. I was like four foot seven. And so, you know, my, I think my spine couldn't keep up with the rate I was growing. Uh, um, and I was growing a lot later too. So I, um, but th- they said, take a year off, don't do anything. So again, bird dog planks and all my four exercises that I did, I wasn't allowed to run or jump. And I was very, uh, very careful because again, yes. I was very scared. And he said, after a year, let's reevaluate. And I went into a movement MRI where I could like hold planks in the MRI um, scan and you could do different positions and it ended up stabilizing. So that was very, I took very good care of it and I was very diligent oh. with my rehab. That's really good. So you were out for a full year? And, and then I was a regular student. I did acting on Sunday. I did singing lessons. <laughs> I picked up a guitar. I didn't, my, my parents are great. Cause my mom's always like, well, if you can't do gymnastics and like, let's mm-hmm. do something that's not physical. So then I ended up taking up a bunch of different things, um, while I was not a gymnast and I really wasn't mm-hmm. a gymnast. I was off the national team, wasn't even part of a gym club. I didn't even know if I was coming back to do gymnastics again. Cause he pretty much said like, you most likely will never be a gymnast again. That's devastating news. I love how your parents stepped in and got yes. you to develop some of your other gifts, some of your other talents, because yeah. gymnastics is such an, a, an all-encompassing sport. It's like you don't have any time to do anything <laughs> else. So usually when a gymnast gets injured and she can't do that, it's like the end of the world, practically. Yes. Yet you picked yeah. up and you just kept learning and growing in other areas. My parents are amazing. Like they always showed me perspective and they always showed me the silver lining in things. And, you know, as a kid, like gymnastics was my entire life, but it, it really wasn't though. So when I would come home, it's not like they treated me as a gymnast. I still did half an hour of singing lessons on Friday. I would do, you know, we, we had the weekends off. So my schedule allowed me to do other things. Unlike most competitive gymnasts, they train on the weekends. I had the whole weekend off. So I played tennis on the weekend. My mom signed us up for like a cartoon drawing class. Like it's very, like very just, if I took interest in it, she let us, Mm -hmm. you know, um, she kind of signed us up to further that interest. So when I did take the year off, I I was devastated because I was doing so well as a junior. um, And that was the year I was a year too young for the 2008 Olympics, but it was so close. Like I could see myself going to the Olympics um, when I was 15. And 
But my mom was just uh, just said, you know, there's so many other things in life that you can do. And maybe this is a great time. You get to spend time with your friends. So I had lots of sleepovers. I went to like high school parties. And I really was a regular kid in high school um, for a year. Which is rare and, for a gymnast. Which is very rare. And I I loved it. And I would never change it. And honestly, it it actually helped me when I got back to gymnastics. So mm. Now, tell me more. How did it help you when you got back to gymnastics? I think the reason when I got back into gymnastics, I truly had to regain my strength. So again, I was only doing planks. I had no upper body strength. Like I barely do a pull up. I, it took me four months to learn to kip cast a handstand again. It was really bad. I like, it was very slow process. And I remember just doing a cartwheel for the first time and the whole gym was cheering. I signed up for a new gym club. Um, <laughs> I switched coaches cause I just wanted to, you know, fresh taste of, um, just like a new start. Mm-hmm. And it really helped that I took that year off because I grew so much. I didn't have to do gymnastics in my awkward stage. And I was almost at my peak height when I came back. So I think um, I had grown like, yeah, four or five inches. And so when I was relearning, I was relearning in my new body. And so ah. it actually helped because then when I started conditioning, I was conditioning my new body and okay. I wasn't going through um, like working and then growing at the same time. So I really, I think it truly helped me. <laughs> hmm. That makes sense. As mm-hmm. you described that, I thought, oh yeah, you, there is this awkward phase where you hit this growth spurt and everything changes and you have to adjust yeah. what you do, how you do it. And no, ah, totally makes sense. So mm-hmm. obviously you came back and you were killing it, right? Because I've heard that Thank leading you. into... <laughs> You're welcome. I'm just stating truth, right? So <laughs> I, I've heard that going into the 2012 Olympics, you were the best Canadian gymnast ever. That's what I'm hearing. Thank you. That's, <laughs> that's what I'm hearing. So describe what your world was like as you trained for the Olympics. Yeah. So it was really fun because, again, I didn't think the Olympics was in my cards again because of my injury. And so mm-hmm. it took me a really long time to get back into shape and to get back at the level I was, but I was le- getting my skills back very quickly. I think because I had okay. done them so many times, um, I then was saying, oh, I can do this. So then I, at one point, you know, I told Miss Val I wanted to postpone my year going into UCLA. I was supposed to go in in 2012. And she was very supportive of me, or 2000, 2011, sorry. And uh, she's very supportive of me pursuing the Olympics. And so as soon as I got my skills back from my injury, I just started dreaming bigger and bigger and bigger. And my first meet back was really, really rough. I think I fell like Mm -hmm. four or five times. But then I won my second competition. And that was a Canadian nationals, pretty much like a halfway Canadian nationals. And that's kind of where I realized like I can really do this. And I think when I had that mindset, all those dreams came back, all that drive mm-hmm. came back. Mm-hmm. And I was just very ready to dive into being a gymnast. I took a year off after high school to pursue the Olympics. And so my mm-hmm. world was solely based around gymnastics. Like, I don't think I'd spent so much brain power <laughs> into being <laughs> a gymnast because I hired a, a physical, like, a physical coach. I wanted to get stronger. I was like, I want, I wanted to run Mm -hmm. faster. So I was Mm -hmm. um, really focusing on my nutrition. I ended up making like a list of foods that I was going to eat after the Olympics, like going into that (laughs) year. So I was like, we're going to do this with no regrets and all that stuff. So my world was 
it was so much fun. Like I loved competing at world Pan Am games was so much fun. I was older, so I was 18 and mm-hmm. you know, I was an, a young adult and I think having a little bit of that freedom at those gymnastic competitions, meeting new people and, um, the gymnasts are, they're just really fun to be around. We kind of all have the same energy, <laughs> so it's really <laughs> nice. And I, I love being on team Canada. It was, it it had a, I had a very amazing elite career. Like I, oh. I loved it. <laughs> oh, I, I can tell just you, your face is beaming as you even talk mm-hmm. about it. Well, leading into the Olympics, about a month or so before you were about to compete, you had another mm-hmm. opportunity for resilience. Yes. Tell me what happened. Leading up to the Olympics, there was uh, one last Canadian meet, and it was Canadian Nationals, and that was pretty much our Olympic trials. And I, again, went into that year, no regrets. I'm going to throw all the big skills. I was doing, like, double layout, full out. I was doing your tango double twist on vault. Like, I was really throwing all the big skills. And I said, you know what? Like, I'd rather try than not try because I, I think, you know, we could play it safe and all that stuff. But I said, this is – I waited so long for this. I'm not, I'm not going to, you know – half booty it. <laughs> I didn't want to swear, but like, <laughs> I didn't want to like go in and not and regret anything. So I pretty much, um, went for the first time at your Chanko double twist and I was podium training. It was the last event and I had thrown a lot of my big skills that I just learned. I ended up landing and I just remember collapsing almost like a rag doll. Oh. I landed and I could not get up and I grabbed my knee and I just remember squeezing my knee so hard and I felt a pop. So I'm pretty sure my mm. knee like dislocated and then popped back in and I got carried out. I, my whole world just stopped and I definitely thought I was going to pass out. I was like, you know, hot and sweaty from podium training. I was in a leotard. I like started panicking and, um, I, it's, it's almost like seeing everyone else's faces panic. Then you start panicking. Mm-hmm. Right. You're so, like, what are they seeing that I'm not seeing? Exactly. And so, you know, my teammates are rushing over, coaches are rushing over, and and everyone's just devastated because we were hearing about athletes tearing their ACLs before, tearing their mm-hmm. Achilles. Because everyone, again, it's it's a big Olympics. And right. they were just throwing it all. And so I remember after that training, I was like, please let it not be my ACL. And mm-hmm. I remember going home. I got sent home after that camp or that podium training and I like tried to walk on my leg and it was it was like again a rag doll it just there was nothing to hold it up and so I was doing research I was trying not to google and all that stuff but then Mm. um, I had a really close team so my physio worked with me really closely and I remember going into the doctor's office and she came out crying and I was like oh no the doctor came out crying not the doctor my physio she was like a big oh. sister to me at the time. Okay. And okay. she was okay. amazing. And so I think she really felt for me. She helped me rehab my back mm. too. And so, you know, she had seen me work so hard and kind of felt the pain that I was in and she was tearing up for me. And then that's kind of when I knew she, she had to tell me I tore my ACL and it, that was devastating. I don't think I'd ever been in the car and been like, why me? I think I had never said that before. And my parents, you know, at the time, it was it was really hard. I think I had like a week of depression where, again, I just kept thinking like, why me? I worked so hard, like all that stuff. But then my mom, my, again, my mom, my parents, my dad, they were just saying, you know, this isn't the only Olympics. I think because I was a year too young for the 2008 Olympics, it seemed like this was my one shot only. And I think that's why it was so upsetting. But um, Team Canada, actually, they wanted me to compete bars. And so 
you know, the physio was saying, you can compete on a torn ACL. Like you don't have to have it if you rehab it properly. And there was enough time for before the Olympics to heal my MCL, which I also had torn, um, to be able to do bars. And I remember I got into the gym, I started working out and I said, it's not worth it. I have UCLA ahead of me. I have potentially, I could do a 2016 Olympics. I'm not trying to land and just absolutely destroy my knee. So I, mm. I then ended up opting out, um, respectfully just saying, I'm not going to go for the runnings. And uh, the head coach of Team Canada, or, uh, you know, the team captain, Team Canada, or I don't remember what it was called, to be honest, <laughs> so long ago. <laughs> but um, they invited me to be their team captain, their honorary team captain. And I was over the moon. I was so right. happy. So they said, you know, we you helped us qualify to the Olympics. You've had so much experience. You competed in the O2 arena. I would love, we would still love for you to come and mm. mentor the girls. And so, you know, I was in a cast that was limping in London, but I was getting <laughs> them their salads and um, just talking to them and just hanging out and just trying mm. to be a positive light for them. It now, definitely was a up, bittersweet hold up, hold moment. Up, hold up. <laughs> I think I'm going to have to stop you because... Yeah. <laughs> The way you talk about, oh, yeah, I was injured, but they took me to the Olympics anyway. That's a big deal, Ping. That is huge. (laughs) (laughs) It is huge. Mm -hmm. And so what was it that you think they saw in you that told them, hey, you know what? She can't contribute Mm -hmm. by competing physically, but the fact that you're in the room, in the gym, on the floor with these athletes means a lot and has a positive impact on them. So, so what did they see that you could bring to the table, even yeah, without competing? It, it really taught me that life is more than just your talent. And I, you know, I really solely based my image on my talent, because that's what it always was when I was younger. But I realized that personality and your grit and your perseverance really has a lot to do with um, how people perceive you. And it was just amazing that they wanted to still bring me on the team because they saw this wisdom that I had that I could offer even if I wasn't competing. And I definitely had taken that lesson with me um, everywhere now because I'm saying, you know what, personality is such a big and memorable thing that will affect people also and not just your talent. So I've I, it truly was a great life lesson for me. And, um, it, it, again, I was very blessed to just let, have them bring me. Oh, yes. Very honored. And and I love, (laughs) it is, it is a huge honor. And Mm -hmm. you were still a part of the team, honorary captain. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And this is good stuff. I know it was so nice too. Cause when I got there, um, you know, they gave me a shirt with like a C on it. And so they, they still made me feel very special. Like I felt very special at the Olympics, even though I wasn't competing again, it was a bittersweet moment cause I wasn't competing, but they made me still feel really special. And I think, again, I had to give it to my parents who had taught me really good morals, really good ethics and, um, always have good sportsmanship and be nice to others and, um, respect others and all that stuff. And, be even if you're at the top of your game, but be humble and always be motivational and inspiring. And so it was really cool because I used to wear these white flowers in my hair when I when I competed like prior to the Olympics. And the girls during competition surprised me and all had white flowers in their hair. And it was it was the sweetest thing. It was so cool. Like, (laughs) again, I didn't ask them to do it. They just did it. And it was so sweet that they were 
honoring me oh, even though they're pursuing their dream i know right yeah but it's like they're pursuing oh, their own dream but then they still i don't know there was just so much love on that team there really was it, it was it was a great team mm-hmm. i was really i'm still really close with one of the girls so oh that's good that's good mm-hmm. i'm going to go back to something you said that i think is very important and it, that is life is more than talent life is more than talent so you're competing in this sport where talent is everything, right? You're, sometimes uh, we base our value on our ability to perform what the judges think, what our coaches think, what others think. How did you come to the conclusion that life is more than talent? Was it the influence of your parents or was there something else in addition to that? I'm, oh man, I'm trying to remember exactly who said it. I'm pretty sure it was the head coach of Canada. And, you know, I was, I think I I might ask her like, why, why do you want to bring me? And she said, I just, we just think you're very valuable to this team. Again, she didn't really say more than just your talent, but it was more like you have so much wisdom, you have a positive energy and, you know, the Olympics is very stressful and we, we need someone who's going to lift the girls up when they're stressed. And, um, I think they, whenever I travel, I'm pretty easygoing, <laughs> I would say. <laughs> so I would like to I think I'm pleasant that. to travel with. <laughs> but um, I, th- I think, you know, when I do compete, I, my coach used to tell me a joke. I was always in a, you know, I was always trying to laugh and have, an, have fun at those meets. And I think they, that's what they told me. They wanted that positive energy around so that, you know, again, Olympics is very stressful and they wanted to help me get the girls' minds out of their head, give them advice about what the equipment's like and get them excited and hyped. And um, mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure it came from the head coach of Canada. <laughs> okay. That's great. What a, what a great attitude. Well, mm-hmm. Ping, I want you to speak to the athlete that is listening mm-hmm. right now. Maybe that athlete wants to be in the Olympics one day, mm-hmm. or maybe there's some other goal they want to achieve, yet there's obstacles that they have to overcome. Perhaps it's injury, maybe it's even an illness, or it could be challenges they're facing at home or in their personal lives. Whatever yeah. that challenge is, tap into your superpower, <laughs> which <Yeah>. is <laughs> highly motivational, <laughs> and tell me, what do you say to that person to encourage them to keep pressing on? Yeah, a lot of the times um, I, when I tell young athletes, I said, just remember why you do gymnastics and kind of bring it back to when you were a kid and you were so excited to get into the gym and you're so excited to learn new things. And, you know, sometimes you have to remind yourself that that's why you love it. And you kind of have to remind yourself every day is very hard. It's hard, you know, when you have life things thrown at you and it's hard when you have injuries. And, and I think the thing is, is also to remember it's not the end all be all. There's so much more to life than the, than just gymnastics. And whether that's a lesson that's learned when you're at the gym, but I always also try to tell them that if you've learned one thing and you get 1% better every day, whether that's in the gym or outside the gym, then that's a win for today. I'm still reminding myself on my own advice that I give. Like I have to remind <laughs> myself of little wins for the day, but I definitely... Mm-hmm truly believe you have to celebrate the little wins. And sometimes that's getting an assignment done in school and you then have a great, you're like, I'm going to have a great practice because I got that done. Or like, you know, practice was great. All right, let's take that kind of energy to where I'm going to go next. And 
just know that a lot of people are going through this. And I think the best thing to do is also talk about it and, you know, find that safe person or safe space to be able to talk. Or um, you can also think that that's that time is to find an outlet, how to release that energy also. And I think for me, when I was training, music was definitely a release for me. So when I was training, I did that half an hour singing lessons on the side. So when I had like all gymnastics talk, they be a gym, it's outside, inside the gym. Music was great. It's like a whole different type of athlete. So I loved being able to do that. And it was a fun hobby for me to take my mind off things. And I just encourage, you know, um, especially younger athletes, it's really hard nowadays. It's so competitive. And you have to remember that you are the only you in this world. So why don't you be the best you? There's no one else who can be, who can do you better. So there's, I can't there's agree no, more. there's no failure. There's no, like there's absolutely no failure because no one else can do you better than you. So you might as well have fun with yourself and mm-hmm. just be. <laughs> <laughs> and just be. <laughs> and just be. Like just enjoy That's such yourself. Great advice. Like, sometimes it's really hard, but sometimes it's like, okay, well, mm-hmm. you know, this is only going to last forever. So you might as well enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm, I, I am of the thought, if it's not fun, you know, make it fun. That's where, <laughs> that's what I do. And yes. it, Cause again, uh, there's lots of things that I don't like to do, but mm-hmm. I try to make it fun. Like yes. to do lists are not really my thing, but I've, I've learned to use colored pencils. <laughs> there you go. Make it pretty. They make it more make it fun, fun to me. Exactly. Yes. I'm the same way. So (laughs) Ping, your story is positively riveting. It's inspiring. There's so much more to it, though. And I don't want to rush through all that took place at UCLA. So would you mind hanging around and doing a second half to your story? I'd love to. Thank you so much. In part two of Peng Peng Lee's story, you'll learn how she was able to overcome significant setbacks at UCLA and how she also went on to help them clinch their seventh NCAA national team title. You'll also hear about what she's doing now and how she continues to demonstrate resilience. Thanks for listening. If you want to find more about Peng Peng Lee, check out our show notes on inbrilliancemode.com slash podcast. And to connect with Bruin Gymnastics alumni on Instagram, follow us at UCLA Gym Alumni. Any use of this podcast without the express written consent of Brilliance Mode is prohibited.